I thought he was done. Well, he end, he ended up torquing it up a little more. Well, uh, uh, and my hands were there, and I tried to yank it out. Well, it caught a piece of my glove, and um, it actually cut part of, like, a little piece of my finger off. Rocks Exploration, our family-owned small business, this is Rocks Energy, a show about the oil and gas industry as we live it and breathe it each day. I'm Adam Oxen. Let's get on with the show. All right, welcome to the Rocks Energy Podcast. Today we got Zach Stevens with us. He's one of uh, uh, our contract pumpers out on our wells here in, in Oklahoma. So Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no. Um, so for our audience, um, give a, like a, give like a brief, like overview, like what a pumper is, what a pumper does, what, what your role is day to day. Uh, first of all, uh, it, uh, you know, there, we got vertical and horizontal wells, but, um, what I do is I monitor pressures, uh, casing pressure, tubing pressure, monitor the gauges, and then the fluid coming out of the ground, and then uh, as it goes into certain vessels, uh, I separate it out, you know, according to uh, oil, gas, and water. So then I sell the product. And then uh, so I send the gas down the sales line, and then I produce the oil through uh, a few vessels. And then the oil goes in the oil tank, and the water goes into the water tank. And I call in loads of oil as needed, and then I uh, get the water haul off as needed, and uh, then I report all this and send a good report to the to you guys and other companies. Yeah, so to that point, you you don't pump just for us being a contract pumper. You 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 pump for us and other operators as well, and this is pretty common in the oil field. Yes, sir. Yeah, and that and that's actually and when we were um, kind of talking about this, uh, I was trying to think of the differences between a company pumper and a contract pumper. Um, a, a company pumper, uh, it's a lot, I feel like it would be a lot, I've never been a company pumper, but I feel like it'd be a lot easier just because you have one person to report to. So if someone tells you something to do, then you go do it. But as a contract pumper, you have, uh, when you work for multiple companies and you have to report to multiple people, it makes it a little harder, but you also divest a little bit to where you're, where like during coronavirus, whenever things got real slow and people started shutting wells in, you know, only two out of say the four companies I was working for uh, shut down. You know, so I was still able to make a little money even in the price environment. And uh, so there's pros and cons to being a contract pumper and a company pumper. But um, I definitely would probably prefer contract pumper just because you have a little bit more um, freedom, I guess. You know, but you still have to be disciplined. So, right. I mean, you're, you're, you're comparing, you're, you're running your own business in the, in your scenario, as opposed to as a company man pumper. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, now, did you grow up around the oil field? How, how did you make your way to uh, the oil patch? So obviously at my geographic location, you know, Northwestern Oklahoma, um, it's, it was always around, you know, drilling rigs and everything. And just, I've always saw those tanks and the heater treater. I never knew what they were. But I just always saw them. Well, uh, I, you know, I was raised, uh, with, I, I, you know, with without a dad. So it was actually I had five sisters and a mom. So I had to go get a job, you know, real quick. You know what I mean? I just kind of guess the man of the house. But so at eleven, I went and got a job uh, at an aerial spray port, um, and that's kind of where I learned my work ethic. And then actually through my high school years, 
I was working at a golf course and that's kind of what I wanted to do for a while was be a superintendent of a golf course. Well, uh, so I started going to college for it. Well, then I realized, you know, a superintendent of a golf course that really didn't make that much money. So I was like, I'm gonna go to college for these many years and then, uh, uh, only make this much amount of money and be this much in debt. So I was like, eh. So I, I got out of college and then my stepfather at 18, when I was 18, uh, I remember going to Enid and my stepfather called me. He was a driller on drilling rig. And he said, Hey, you want a job on the drilling rig? And it was paying like 20, you know, $22 an hour. And I was like, heck yeah. You know what I mean? So let's do it. So I got on, that's how I got into the oil field. And I worked on a drilling rig for about, uh, you know, probably about five or six years. And I was actually, um, I made it up to a dare can and then I was actually waiting on a drilling job. And then that's when the oil field kind of took a bust. And that's kind of how I got in the oil field, you know, initially. So. Awesome. Now, how did you make the transition from, from working on a rig to, to pumping? Uh, so, um, I think it was like 2012. Um, I was, I was a dare can at the time, uh, over there by, um, Hennessy, Oklahoma. Um, and, uh, I think it was the price of oil. We just went through a pretty big boom and then it started, uh, the price of oil went down and the, my drilling rig, we didn't have another well to go to. So, uh, they wanted to keep me on, but this drilling rig was moving down to South Texas. You know what I mean? Working on a drilling rig is, you know, really the one of the most volatile spots in the oil field. And I've been laid off, you know, quite a few times, just not because of my work ethic, just because I, uh, there weren't any other holes to go to, you know, you know what I mean? So, um, I, uh, so my rig got laid down and I was single at this time and they wanted me to go down to South Texas to drill, uh, saltwater disposal wells on this drilling rig. And I was like, no, I was like, you know, I'm kind of single. I'd rather just, you know, stay, I can make, I can find a job here around here. I don't want to go down there and I don't want to keep chasing rigs. Well, my, um, uh, sister's, uh, boyfriend, which is now husband, um, he called me one day and he was like, Hey, you want to make, uh, uh, $400 a day, you know? And I was like, yeah, I'm doing what? And he's like, well, sitting on a, uh, flowing, being a flow hand on a well. And I had, you know, no idea what that was. Uh, so yeah, so I had no, I had no idea what it was. So I went out there and I actually was, I was pumping out of a, I was, the car I drove up there was an old 88, you know, old mobile. You know I mean? So <laughs> well, Zach, I, before explain, explain for everyone listening, like what a flow hand, um, like doing that, that moving over to a flow hand, uh, job sitting there, break that down for our listeners. Uh, a flow hand is the initial, uh, after you do a drill out, you know, usually when you turn on a well, it's, it's extremely, um, pressurized and it's going to produce probably the most fluid at the beginning of its life. So that's whenever you have to stay on location 24 seven, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, probably for depending on how good the well is, depending on, you know, 30 days to uh, three months, but you monitor it, you know, hourly and you get pressures, you know, yesterday's volume and gauges every hour, then you send a report to the company uh, daily. So, yeah. And this is going to be after a completion. And especially if it's like a horizontal well, where you're going to have, you know, possibly a very large frack job put on it, where you're going to have all kinds of maybe frack sand, different things coming back in. That's not going to, that's going to be outside the norm of like, 
daily, weekly, monthly production down the road, right? So it needs it needs babying. It needs really taken care of to make sure um, that everything goes smoothly. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you know, it, you know, it could free flow in the first well that I uh, got put on. You know, remember I was a drilling hand. I had no clue what a, f- a flow hand did. You know what I mean? Because I just knew the drilling side. And the first well that I've set on, it uh, it came on and it was, I didn't know at the time that it was a good well, but now I know now. It was making 1,200 barrels of oil, um, uh, 4,000 barrels of water, and about 2 million gas. And so with that much fluid on the ground, I mean, things can go south quick. And um, that's why, you know, as a flow hand, you know, you got to sit there, you know, uh, 24-7. So, and uh it, I thought it was cool at first, and then it was just uh, it, it, it wasn't stressful. It was just it was just so new to me, and I got thrown into fire to the fire quick because the guy that put me on it, my my brother in law actually went to go be a coach for football, and so I ended up taking that over. And I literally had, I mean, I got thrown into fire quick. Uh, they literally trained me in like two days, and then um, yeah, so then I just learned you know i had to learn quick so right right that's awesome so you went from being a drilling hand over to being a flow hand how'd you make that trend it sounds like maybe that wasn't the flow hand job i don't know maybe you did it for a while you but you know you didn't want to be there forever i mean how did you figure or how did you make the jump over from that i mean i guess probably you learned quite a bit with managing the fluid and 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 paying attention to all that and gay i mean that's like a highly intense, you know, one well, you know, 24 hours a day where you're, you're measuring fluid and all that, maybe a little bit more intense than pumping. Is that how you, did you go from that to pumping or what was the transition? It, uh, it, it was, it was kind of a slow transition. Um, so, um, for, for that certain company, um, uh, we stayed on that well for about three months and then they, they drilled, it's, it's, it's a field. There's actually now currently, um, I, see, I started that field, and then they drilled it, and then um, I was, I, I went just contract subcontracting to another person, and then he, I don't, I don't really want to brag. I mean, he, I was doing well, so they liked me. So after we got done with that, they moved me over to another company that is actually not too far from your guys' wells around uh, uh, Ames, which is not too far from here. I, then he had me take over that, and they started drilling because it kind of slowed down on the drilling there. So it, it's kind of a slow transition. Um, then, then during when the price of, actually, and another thing that affected it was the price of oil because they quit they quit drilling. So all the wells that I was uh, flowing, um, they all you know they all started getting slower and slower, not making as much fluid. Obviously, with the life of it. Uh, so then they quit drilling you know, cause the price of oil. So nobody, you know, kept drilling. So all these wells got older. So then the wells, a lot of the wells that I'm over now are the wells that I free flowed and, uh, uh, then slowly it turned into a pumping job because it didn't need as much, uh, attention. So, um, I don't, does, I don't, does that make sense? No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So you, it kind of naturally happened to you. You went from, yeah, you kind of transition from I don't have to be out here daily, but they still need someone out here to monitor the well and make sure operations are going smoothly on location. And you picked that job up as a as a contract pumper. Very cool. 
So do you have any, let's going back to the, the drilling hand, uh, you know, working on rig and being, you know, kind of at the forefront, like you said, it's volatile, it's up and down. Uh, people bring on rigs depending on how many deals they've got to drill, if they've got funding, if the price environment's right. And that filters down to the guys working out every day to, to, to bring these uh, new holes online. Do you got any crazy stories or anything like, was there any, oh. any close calls or like anything you on know, the you drilling share side? There? Yeah. On the drilling side. That was just okay. Like, I, I mean, I do have a couple, uh, uh, let me say for sure too, that I can think of. Hey, it's Adam here. I wanted to tell you more about rocks exploration. At Rocks, we drill, complete, and operate oil and gas wells right here in Oklahoma. What does that mean? That means we make money through the drill bit by drilling for and producing oil and gas. But we also make money for our working interest partners. What's a working interest partner? That's an individual or small business that invests in an oil and gas well. It's not unlike a real estate investment. You see, drilling a well is extremely costly from geology to land to legal to drilling and completion and production. It takes a lot of time, resources, and people. Rocks takes care of all of that, and our working interest partners align with us to take advantage of our expertise and experience. Each drilling project brings together tax write-offs and potentially high ROIs. So if you're interested in learning more about Rocks exploration and our drilling projects, head to rocks.energy. That's www.rox.energy to find out more. So, um, so when I when I started as a um, a worm, it's called a worm. I guess it's kind of I think it's called lead lead tong technician now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I started out as that. Then I, I moved up to chain hand. Well, what's well, a worm do for 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 no, the people who've never been on a rig? What's a worm do? Uh, the worm, um, which lead tong technician, we learned that as you know, we went through years, but. Uh, He's the one that runs the tongs. Um, whenever you're tripping in and tripping out the hole, he holds the uh, backup, and then you got the chain hand that makes up the makeup tongs. There's two tongs. Now, this is I, I haven't been on the drilling side since 2012, so now they have actually ro- ro- type of robotics called ST80s. But back then they used tongs, just big old pipe wrenches, and they'd have to torque it up to a certain torque. And uh, so a worm would run the tongs. He would grease the rig every morning. He would uh, pretty much – he would have to do whatever the driller told him. He would have to scrub the rig, power wash the rig, um, grease, uh, um, let me see, uh, clean the doghouse, take the trash, just kind of the, the extra hand to do the little – kind of the crappy jobs around, around the drill. It's no rig. fun and yeah, it's hard it, work. I mean, it, you, you still, it is definitely hard work, but it's uh, – you, you get paid – You know, plus when you're working on a drilling rig, it's seven days on, seven days off. Uh, so, uh, you get seven days off. So you, you kind of go through hell for seven days and then you have seven days off. So that's the nice thing. And you get right. paid pretty, pretty good. Um, so, uh, so that's what a, um, a, a warm, uh, does on the drum rig. So that's where you got started in the story. You're yep. out there. And then, um, so then I worked myself up to a chain hand and I know I'm pretty sure they kind of outlaw chains. I mean, you don't really see a throwing chain, you know, very often. Have, I'm sure you've heard of throwing chain before, haven't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but well, do you I want to break it down? Do you want to break it down for our listeners? Uh, but Yeah, I, if you don't do, I can break it down. Sure. 
Okay, so uh, a chain is whenever you're they use, utilize a chain whenever you're going into the hole, and what you do is you you wrap around the bottom stump, which is the um, um, uh, this piece of pipe that's being held up by slips, and um, what you do is they stab um, the new um, oh, uh, the new stand, you know, piece it's a big piece of pipe, drum stand. They stab it, and then you throw the chain, and what it does is it'll you get like four or five wraps, and then as they pull the chain, it'll t- spin that top piece, the top uh, joint, quick, and it just makes it a lot quicker instead of just having to – you just you think about using two big pipe bridges and just having to rework it back and forth. Uh, with this, you just throw the chain, it wraps, it hurry up and wraps it up, then you just make one bite, and then you torque it. Uh, it's probably one of the more – probably chain hand and dare can is probably the – Probably, I would consider the most dangerous uh, part of working on a joint rig. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, but um, to my dangerous part, what happened was, um, so I was throwing chain, and I threw the chain, and it got buttoned up, and, and he was about the driller. The driller was about to torque it or torque the um, tongs, and there was something wrong with our cat head. Uh, which is a piece of equipment on the drum rig. And whenever, before he released, you have to hurry and jerk out the chain so it doesn't get caught and um, it just makes it harder to get out. So uh, I thought he was done. Well, he, en- he ended up torquing it up a little more. Well, uh, uh, and my hands were there and I tried to yank it out. Well, it caught a piece of my glove and um, it actually cut part of like a little piece of my finger off. And uh, I'm sitting there on the drilling rig and I don't know if it's too much, but uh, no, you're good. Okay, it, it starts like squirt with your heartbeat. You know what I mean? I was like, "Holy oh. crap!" Yeah. So I put my rag on it, and I go down and tell the, the uh, pusher. I said, "Hey, you know, you know, I got part of my finger chopped off." Uh, he like, "No way!" So I went to the hospital and got stitches, and then um, you know that that was all all good. So that was you know, I don't want to get too 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 in detail, but. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, but uh, 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 close call on, uh, well, I guess, did you lose the tip of your finger? Did you lose a piece of it? Did that, were no. they able to reconnect? You, you, can t- you can tell. I mean, really what it is, it was just the very, very tip of it, and it kind of exposed bone a little bit. But, I mean, you oh, you can barely even tell. Like, I mean, it's just like a little, I mean, I don't know if you can even see, but, I mean, I'll probably have to show you in person. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right, right. But yeah, you you can't tell, and uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that was an experience. So yeah, my my grandfather told a story of he worked for different um, major oil companies and, and independents uh, here in Oklahoma, but all over the country, and went out visiting a rig one time, and a guy lost a couple fingers, and this is back in the day, right? One of the one of the rig hands lost a couple fingers and came down, wrapped his hand up, bandaged it up, and back up on the Back up on the rig floor, right back at it, like oh yeah, like, uh, different different day and time. That wouldn't that wouldn't fly these days, but it's, well, it's dangerous work for sure. I didn't want to brag, but I did. I did end up going back that night. They they uh, I don't think they even put any stitches on. They put some glue on it, and then they we wrapped it a bunch of tape, and then um, I went back and we were uh, I can't remember if we were, we were circulating gas out, so we were having to put in uh, mixed heavy mud. So I was down there mixing mud in the, in the dairy can, and that was I was working nights at the time, 
but uh, I didn't really want to brag, but I really, that night I did go back and, <laughs> and nice. kept working. Nice. Yeah. Just cause De- I was dedication like, to your, to your craft. Oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's um, awesome. So what would you say? I mean, because I think a lot of this, like people don't, especially what's going on right now in the world, right? Like, um, with energy prices, how they are, supplies low, demand is up. Uh, there's talk of demand destruction and people aren't going to travel. And that's not the, I mean, I've got, I'm seeing friends like photos of airports, like maxed out, um, packed out. People are driving, um, despite gas being, you know, five, six, seven dollars a gallon, depending on what part, part of the country you're in. But like, being on a drilling rig, being out in the oil field, it's, it's tough work. So what would you like for other parts of the country or even other parts of uh, the world? Like, what do you, what do you think uh, they should hear? Or what would you say to them that don't like you grew up in, in the part of Oklahoma, you grew up, you know, oil countries all around you, right? You saw that. What would you say to them where maybe they don't see, you know, the everyday industry um, at the local level, what would you, what do you think they need to, to hear, um, or think about from, from someone uh, like yourself? Well, I mean, I'm all about energy, but like, you know, EVs, I mean, I, I don't know if we're trying to go that route, but you know, we're always, we're probably going to always need oil and gas. And just from the ups and downs that I've been through, you know, right now it's just the most economical way is to do, you know, oil and gas. And I'm not even saying that because I'm standing up for my industry. It's just, you know, I just see a lot of issues with EVs and yeah, we need some diversification, but you know, it doesn't need to be required to, you know, maybe drive an EV car. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now. So, okay. We've been talking about, you know, you went from being a drilling hand to being a flow hand, then you kind of naturally worked into pumping. Um, we heard kind of crazy story about you, uh, you know, with the, the throwing chains on the drilling rig. But what about um, uh, pumping wells on a you know daily month, you know weekly, month to month basis? What's what kind of things pop up there? Is it just rote? Is it just you know you run your routes, you you get out there to the different wells, or do you ever get a you ever have anything wild or crazy come up, or any stories <laughs> worth hearing? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, there's there's been a couple spills. And then uh, I don't know if you want to uh, go into when my you know about when my daughter was born. I don't know. If oh no, no, yeah, tell us. Okay, so is this is like is this like a delivery on the well site? Is this like no, no? no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thankfully, my my wife would be pretty mad. <laughs> but no, but uh, uh, yeah, back in 2018. Um, my uh, my kids are they're breech and so we were scheduled for a c-section on thursday so i had my relief humper scheduled for thursday so monday morning um my wife's water broke and i woke up and i was currently taking care of these wells over by ames mississippi lime wells uh it was making five like five thousand barrels of water a thousand barrels of oil and like 5 million gas. So, you know, things to go wrong pretty quick. So and I was, the, we just turned it over to pumping from flow back. So I was checking, I had to check it twice a day. So I had my relief pumper set up for Thursday and Monday morning, um, my wife's water broke and she's breached. So we got a haul butt to Enid. And luckily the wells 
are on the way to Enid. You know what I mean? So, so just to give me peace of mind, I was, you know, it was 5 a.m. Nobody was up. I tried to call around people. Nobody would answer. But we were uh, headed towards, so we, I was like, okay. So I was like, slow down. I got a thing. So I called the hospital, said, hey, uh, uh, we got an emergency. We have a C-section. They, they already kind of probably expected this because this does happen. So we left and I went and checked the uh, salt water disposal at why she was having contractions. So I had to check one well. Well, I know it sounds bad, but, <laughs> I, just, I, you know, it's just how it all kind of happened. Right, so, right. Uh, then I, then my wife, you know, she was in the car. She wasn't in pain. She wasn't like moaning or like yelling or nothing. But then she saw a, I was like, we drove past the pump unit because I was worried about stuffing box rubbers. So I was like, hey, is that pump unit still going? We're hauling butt. And I mean, it's on the way to Enid. And then we we get to Enid and we get in the hospital and literally get there at 7 a.m. My daughter's out by 8. And uh, uh, I'm in there on the phone with my daughter, uh, you know, trying to get my relief pumper lined up. And yeah, I just, you know, that was kind of an experience there. So that was like, I think that's like right when I first started pumping wells too. That's that's crazy, man. You're dedicated. What about, was, does your wife let you live that down? Or is she like, oh, just part of the... This is part of the the gig. Uh, actually, actually, we kind of forgot about it because uh, I mean it's been so long. You know, it was like four right. years ago. But for a while, I, I'd tell the stories, especially like engineers, and they just they just you know thought it was hilarious. And uh, uh, looking back now, I probably shouldn't have, but uh, you know, I, I probably should have still. But you know, maybe I should have planned a little better. Maybe took a week off or or something. So <laughs> right, right. Well, this has been a been a cool uh, conversation, Zach. I think there's a lot of things that we could get into, like some of the details about that, just to help more people understand, like what it's like to, you know, do some of the things you do in your profession. But um, maybe we'll save that for another time. Maybe we can do this again. But we've been wrapping up each podcast with like a quick fire round of questions. So, you ready for those? You ready to go? Uh, I am. Okay. First one. Favorite book or like article you've read. Uh, I like the uh, Art of the Deal by uh, Donald Trump. Oh yeah, I've never read that. Yeah. So Very well, cool. I, I have it in my, uh, uh, I have it here. So and plus, you can find it too. Yeah, well, we can send it over. Um, favorite food or drink? Uh, chips and queso. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Very good call. It's hard to beat a good chips and queso because you. Just, I just keep going back. I can't stop. Yeah, and I uh, I always judge, you know, if if the restaurant doesn't have good chips and queso and salsa, it's hard to really go back. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, so. yeah, no, true. Okay, what's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, okay, this is kind of funny. Uh, came from a Taco Mile packet saying, <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it's a, you never know uh, if you don't do. Uh, so that's how I kind of, as I, when I became a pumper, you know, like you said, you're running your own business. And so I started taking a little bit of risk. And, you know, whenever somebody told me that, oh, you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to be able to do that. Or, oh, it's too hard. It's too this. I'm like, well, you never know if you don't do, you know, I mean, everybody else is doing it. So you never know if you don't do. So uh, that's when I started buying rental, rental property. I kind of started doing that. And everybody kind of was like, kind of hand dogging that, handing that. And I, I was like, there's a lot of other people I do it. I was like, then I always revert back to the Taco Mile packet. You never know if you don't do. So that's the. I love that. That's great. Kind of the best that. advice. 
kind of sad, but. <laughs> so you, hey, wisdom is in some of the most unexpected places, right? <laughs> it is. It sticks yeah. with me. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Zach, that's great. Well, uh, I love that. I, I think that's totally, totally true advice. So thanks for sharing with us and thanks for coming on the podcast. Yep. Next time. Thank you. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please do us a big favor and leave a review in whatever podcast app you listen to or share with someone you think might enjoy this content. Thanks a lot for listening to Rock Synergy.